You are listening to the Wool Academy Podcast. This is episode 108. Hi, Wool Academy Podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning in again to episode 108. If you're new to the podcast, you or if you're a regular listener, just a little bit of an introduction what this episode is about. So in the past, I used to always interview different people from the wool industry. And in this episode and also the two previous, I'm always talking to the same person, which is Evan Thompson from Flockwool. And the reason being is that I joined Flockwool in the beginning of this year. It's a little wool trading startup based in Albania. And we, we thought it might be interesting for listeners to hear about the journey of flock wool, how we go about starting this little business, the difficulties we faced. And this is, yeah, I hope you enjoy this little journey. If this is not for you, don't worry. I also have other podcast interview guests lined up and they will be published uh, going forward. But for now, in this episode, I will be talking to Evan about Albania, about the Albanian economy, about the Albanian industry, uh, especially the wool industry. So I hope you enjoy this episode and let's dive right in. Well, hello, Evan, once again, it's good to see you and to be talking to you. Yes. And today on our agenda, we said we would talk a little bit about Albania and also the Albanian uh, sheep and wool industry. And mm -hmm. you had the chance to actually live in Albania for some time, although you preferred to have stayed there longer than you were able to. And <laughs> we talked about that a little bit in one of our previous episodes. Um, yeah, and in our last episode, you actually told us that um, you decided to move to Albania. And I was very curious, like, what were the reasons for you to choose Albania as one of the countries you would want to move to? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's not the most standard of stories, I guess, like uh, <laughs> not many people, uh, you know, so my wife and I, we lived in Washington, D.C., and we were working there. And um, not many people go from D.C. to Thailand or northern Thailand in particular uh, and live there for a few years and then move to Albania. It's not, I don't know, not, not a playbook that many people follow. But, um, uh, but generally kind of the, uh, the reason why we uh, were looking into Albania. Sorry for the phone. Let me uh, silence that there. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why we uh, kind of Albania came up on our radar was, uh, you know, kind of two uh, factors, one a push factor and one a pull factor. So our pull factor is, you know, like, like why Thailand from the beginning, you know, interesting, it was an interesting culture, it was something new, it was something different, it was also something that we could handle cost effectively in a way, you know, we, uh, we moved there for the purpose of starting our own business and, and, and living free and independent and, you know, following in, you know, a location independent entrepreneurial life, you know, trying to do that type of thing. And so, you know, we started our own business consulting firm while in Thailand and got to the point of location independence and we're happy with that. And um, yeah, so, you know, but, but, the, but the environments we still needed, um, needed to be a little bit more cost effective and able for us to uh, live that life and continue to take risks, you know, and, and grow our business. You know, if we would have been, you know, uh, I don't know, in Germany where you are, right, we, we maybe would have had to have been a little bit more cautious and, and, I, and I wanted to be a little bit riskier, right? So. So that was kind of the pull factor for a place like Albania that is um, uh, a very accessible cost of living for us and for what we were doing. 
Um, but the, kind of the, uh, the push factor was um, uh, Thailand became more and more difficult to be there. Uh, they, uh, Thailand really loves tourists, um, uh, but doesn't really like foreigners living there for very long. Uh, so it became more and more difficult and, and honestly more and more scary. You know, people were just like, oh, your visa's denied, you know. And, you know, you would actually have to leave the country every three months to get a visa and then come back. And it, it was just very frustrating. And so we were looking for, you know, what place could be different. Um, and Albania uniquely, as we've discussed, loves America. <laughs> and they, uh, their most generous visa policy for any country is for Americans. Um, and so we knew we were going to be able to get a visa there without a problem. Um, so, yeah, but kind of turned us on to Albania. And then as we learned more and more about Albania before we even moved there, by the way, we had never been there. Our first time in Albania was getting off the plane with our stuff. <laughs> so, um, but, but, you know, it's, uh, we learned more and more and we, you know, got excited about it. There's a lot of history there. It's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful country. Um, we, you know, we really like having access to both, um, you know, the sea and the beach and mountains. And it's like, well, that's, you know, that is Albania. So, uh, so yeah, that, that was, those are kind of the factors that, uh, push us in that direction. Yeah, and, and to be honest, um, before I ever visited you guys in Albania, I also I've never been there and didn't know much about the country. And, yeah. and strangely enough, whenever I told people, oh yeah, I'm going to Albania and starting a business there, people were like, are you sure? And <laughs> is it safe? And yeah. what are you doing there? And so, mm. but then I also didn't want to really hear or listen to any of the prejudices people had around me because I just wanted to, you know, discover Albania on my own and, and thought it was a great opportunity to actually, you know, go and meet uh, you guys and meet uh, the people there. But to our listeners who can't do that, um, mm. don't have the chance to go to Albania right now, um, go a little bit deeper of like what they're yeah, describing the country, what is it like, what's kind of the short history of the country so that people can imagine better um, what Albania is like. Yeah, definitely. yeah. so like, in, especially as in juxtaposition to, you know, uh, you know, at least what would be a broad, I think, American idea of what Albania is, right? There's um. If you're 40 or older, probably, you know, you know Albania as um, a communist dictatorship that didn't let people leave the country. You know, that was what it was, you know, many decades ago. Um, and then if you're, you know, younger than 40, I think your only knowledge about Albania is from the movie Taken. Uh, the bad guys from the movie Taken were Albanian. So, uh, so yeah, the, not, those are two pretty difficult data points to get over. Um, but, uh, But yeah, it doesn't really characterize the country today, you know. Um, so yeah, obviously, you know, during the Cold War, Albania, like many countries, had, um, uh, you know, had a very poor type of government, and, and it was very difficult for the people there. Um, but that has changed. Obviously, there's still difficulties, and 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 it takes time for a political system to to fully fully manifest itself and and fully um, uh, transform into you know uh, uh, something more effective and just you know and uh, and then or for an economy also to you know get back off the ground but um um but yeah albania is not uh like that anymore it's a <laughs> um it's it's one thing i would say one of the biggest things about um, albania that i think stands out the strongest is the the um friendliness and honesty of people 
like I would say that it's it's very um uh they 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 care about trust deeply like um and that was we experienced that right from the beginning just like you know uh getting to know the first few people that we got to know getting our apartment and stuff like that um you know in america or you know in germany or in you know um even in thailand you know uh how did we how do you find a place to live how do you get an apartment uh you know you you deal with contracts <laughs> you know it's a contract you might not even know the person you know you might see the person once who has your place right um and it's like you know well, who's your landlord right like it's somebody that you barely know the name name of you know them in a legal sense you definitely don't know them in a personal sense um the place we were trying you know we, we got connected with someone in albania through a colleague of mine and a colleague you know through and um and he and he connected us with somebody else in, in, in the town that we were moving to who, uh, who had some apartments, but he didn't, he wasn't going to rent us an apartment because we had money. He had to meet us first. He had to see who we were as people. Like, are we good people? Are we honest people? Are we trustworthy people? Like he's not just going to let unknown elements into his property before knowing them. And so like, but we sat down with this person, we had a conversation, we had dinner, you know, and um and had a great conversation. And that was like the start of that process. And then everything after that was just like, of course it's going to be taken care of. You know, after there's a um, relationship of trust established, you know, everything's very different, but that's where you start, you know, um, in the, you know, and I would say at least, you know, here in the US context, like that's not really how a, um, a lot of business dealings start out um, you know especially on on more simple terms um and then you know even with you know our colleagues in albania right the people we're working with it's similar to that you know like i developed a relationship with albi working with him on separate projects for like six or seven months you know and so we had this you know relationship of trust established where you know we, you know we, we know each other are going to do the right thing by each other and and that's i think why we were able to develop other types of work together um so yeah that that is a, a, a something that stands out in the culture in a big way they're they they are very very honest people very very friendly people but they care um they care deeply about um about establishing uh, uh trusting relationships and, and i think in part because there's historical reasons why they're was a premium placed on trust, you know, because of, because of, of, of some circumstances, you know, if, 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 if you didn't trust somebody, they could actually potentially, you know, do quite negative things to you, you know, so, um, but yeah, I guess the rest of the things in terms of like, okay, what is the, what is the condition of Albania? Like, okay, yes, it's on, it is a developing economy and, and, you know, stuff like that. But in terms of the rest of it, it's just like, okay, well, you know, there's a, uh, there's, there's a great road system. There's, there's modern telecommunications and, and internet, and there's, you know, all of the conveniences that you would, that you would expect, um, most anywhere. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, I think most people's impression on Albania, it's, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a regional thing as well, right? Because of the Balkans, right? So it's a Balkan country. And then, you know, if, if there's any other impression people have about the Balkan region in general, is that there was a big civil war <laughs> a couple of decades ago. So, you know, you, you can't win, right? But. Yeah. 
Yeah, so thank you, Evan. You gave us like a little bit of an overview of, of Albania as a country, the culture a little bit and, and the economy. But now let's dive in a little bit more into the Albanian sheep and wool mm. industry. What can mm. you tell us about that? So the main thing that, again, you know, so we go back to the, you know, what was the problem that we saw? The problem that we saw wasn't something that was, you know, unique to, to us. You know, everybody could see, hey, there's a problem with the wool. You know, um, the, you know, I guess the, the main thing that matters most is, you know, has anyone tried to do what we're doing right now or, or something to the effect? Who has gone in over the past 30 years since the industry collapsed to try to literally pick up the wool off the ground so people can get a livelihood, earn an income uh, from this product that keeps coming back every year? You know, wouldn't that be a great idea? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, many, um, many people have tried it really organizations though you know um uh, to my knowledge there hasn't really been um much of a business unit that has tried to solve this problem um there's uh there's quite a few studies done um uh, by universities in albania regional universities that are talking about the wool industry here's what could be done here's where we could get funding here's where we could get investment uh there's some international organizations uh you know eu kind of based organizations that have you know, try to do some development funding here and there. Uh, there's been some local organizations, um, you know, mainly kind of started by foreigners, really, that have, you know, tried to develop some type of a wool industry again. The thing that's, that these have in common, or at least based upon, you know, in part kind of my own academic literature review, um, you know, as well as just like, you know, just talking to people and, and you know, learning from, okay, hey, in your experience and, having sheep over the past few decades, you know, what has happened um, is that the, the attitude was well-intentioned um, and the, the, the focus was, you know, aspirational or well, ethical minded, I suppose, but that everything was very small scale and everybody was trying to, uh, I don't know. There's, I, I think there's an attitude that, you know, a big business is a bad thing for some reason. And, and I don't, I don't believe that. I, I think that's, I think that's, well, that's a completely unfounded claim that, you, you know, you, you can't, you can't generally make a claim about specific cases, I suppose. Right. Um, and so everybody's like, okay, small scale, we want to help the smallholder farmer. We want to help the local community, the local project. Um, because that's what's good, apparently. I think that I think that in our modern culture, um, especially when it comes to projects and funding and you know uh, some type of at the nexus of business and humanitarianism, something like that. Uh, you know, we have to think small, right? Because we can tell the story about the woman who's a weaver, who you know, you know, the local sheep. You know, we can tell that type of a story that's emotional, and we can get a little bit of funding for that. But. Uh, Based upon my understanding and, and what seems to be the case is that the wool industry simply cannot be an effective industry unless it scales. Uh, you can't make money off a small amount of wool. You can't make, very, or at least, you know, again, an industry right across the country. You can't make money off just a small number of sheep. Um, so you have to get lots of sheep. You have to collect a lot of wool. You have to export containers or you have to be processing a huge quantity of wool and and uh and value adding within the country there um and so that's why initiative after initiative after initiative and funding project after funding project uh failed over and over and over and over again 
and again, well-intentioned, people were wanting to do the right thing, but I think maybe a barrier to the concept of a corporation or a bigger business unit, um, or what, you know, um, a term that I actually kind of like, an ethical monopoly, right? A, you know, the, the, the way to get the most money for farmers, the, the single best way to get the most money for, for uh, farmers in Albania is to have as big of a business as possible doing wool in the country. That's the best way to do it. Because the economies of scale, the, the, the more scale you have, the more we're able to distribute costs, the more we're able to drive down fixed costs and operational costs, and, the, and then we're able to uh, turn more value over to, um, to the farmers. And then the better we're able to create demand, the better we're able to market, all of those things. A small business, uh, a small, small wool business unit is not going to be able to achieve that to the degree that, that a larger one can. And especially in a struggling industry with a very, very price sensitive product, which is where Albania is right now. So yeah, that's, that's where I see that that's kind of my brief history of, or well, the past 30 years, that's my past 30 year brief history of the Albanian wool industry, what many people have tried to do and why it hasn't worked and why our solution at least is an alternative um, <laughs> and, and, is, and is what we're doing and why I think there's a case for it. And why has the, if they used, so if I understand correctly, there used to be an Albanian wool industry that, you know, made use of the wool and maybe exported it or made mm -hmm. products out of it. But what happened that that kind of got disrupted or that the whole industry is non-existent anymore? Oh, yeah. So it, it wasn't, it, it's not, uh, we're just talking about wool, but it's not fair to say that the wool industry collapsed in 1991. It, it would be more accurate to say that the country collapsed in 1991. Industries collapsed in 1991. Um, uh, the, the communist dictatorship fell. Um, and, and with that, a lot of things went with it. Uh, the wool industry was one of thousands of things that just disappeared overnight. Um, uh, because you know millions of people fled the country um it there was you know uh so a lot of lawlessness um uh because uh the economy was so in flux people were literally selling off productive equipment um so yeah a lot of albania's potentiality as a productive country manufacturing x y and z you know what have you um that it was able to do in terms of wool and other things um, was simply just sold off or lost or abandoned or destroyed. And, you know, so that uh, that's part of the reason why it's been, why it's taken the country, uh, why it's been such a slow and difficult uphill climb um, over the past few decades. Um, yeah. So again, no, nothing defective about the wool industry. It was doing well. People were using the wool. It was mainly local, um, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, their own rug and carpet making and, and, and stuff like that. Um, uh, but yeah, again, nothing inherently Albanian sheep wool perfectly fine, <laughs> but uh, but politics does impact business, as as everybody should know by now. Yes, so and thirty years is or events long. rather events as well impact business. Yes. <laughs> and thirty years is quite a long time. So indeed, like the whole infrastructure that used to be in place has vanished and as you said a lot of the equipment got sold off and that's something we're experiencing right now because we're like trying to find a, a wool bale press uh, mm. and uh, you know we're really it's if we're starting from scratch again because it's hard to find the equipment in the country yeah. 
as such. Um, and tell us a little bit about the sheep farmers um, as such, like what are the issues they are facing when it comes to their wool? Well, so, I mean, well, the main, the main situation of, of the sheep farmer, as I understand it, um, is they make about three to 400 euros per month. So that's, you know, a very, very tight income. Um, uh, what would selling wool do to that income? It has the potential to increase it by, by 20% per year. You know, so, you know, tell anybody in the world, hey, you know, we have something that might increase your income by 20% over the year. That's, you know, life-changing, country-changing. So uh, that's, that's the main situation. That's the one that I personally care the most about and that I think is um, uh, one of the most essential. Um, but there are several challenges that they face. Uh, there's definite labor shortages, you know, in terms of having pe um, people and help available um, for the general care of sheep. Um, and, you know, part of that is because the, the, the overall level of profitability of the sheep is, is quite limited. Adding wool to that, well, that's going to change the overall um, economic scales. Um, what else? I mean, uh, in, in many of the environments where you are, where you're going to be grazing, um, as as you experience, the Albanian sheep and culture is very very free range. Um, they they move around quite a bit, um, but these environments are are many of these environments are not that accessible. Um, they're very very out in villages and very small villages or smaller communities and near um, either in or near mountainous terrain, and so. There's a lack of infrastructure, you know, to support, uh, you know, any larger scale operations for the majority of the sheep in the country. That's obviously not all of the sheep. Um, it's dependent, kind of dependent upon breed, which we'll talk more about. Um, but yeah, I would suppose those are the, the most broad um, uh, circumstances that, that, are, that are impacting um, sheep farmers. Yes, okay, thank you so much for um, getting into these kind of topics. And of course, we have you know, researched and read about this and um, yeah, we hope we kind of portrayed it in the best way possible uh, today. Uh, if anybody listening knows even more about uh, the situation, they're happy to, to maybe contact us and tell us a bit more. Um, and I think in our next episode, we will talk more deeply about the sheep and the Albanian wool. So I think for now, let's wrap it up. And then in our next episode, we'll talk some more about Albanian and the sheep industry. I suppose maybe the main thing from our perspective as a company is our, is our chief product officer. Uh, his family have been farmers in rural Albania for generations. He himself is a farmer and a small business owner um, in the region. And so he's worked with sheep his entire life, knows everybody that works with sheep in the area. And so that is our, that is our main source of, of, uh, of direct connection uh, uh, to that community and, and to have um, the, uh, the, the necessary expertise for us, to, for us to conduct our operations effectively. Yeah, and we did uh, visit a lot of shepherds and got to know a lot of sheep herders. So that was also quite insightful for us to, to learn more about as we went on our journey. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Evan, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, talk to you. <laughs> Bye. 
So I really hope you enjoyed our little talk about Albania and the Albanian wool industry. If you're interested to find out more, head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 108. And of course, you can also read up all about flock wool on the page flockwool.com. And next episode, I will be talking with Evan about Albanian wool and Albanian sheep. So I hope you tune in and bye for now.